Welcome, everybody, to the England Logistics Podcast Network. I am Conrad, here to talk about a very important shipping method within the trucking industry. Now, I will say that there are probably two big trucking shipping methods, FTL and then there is LTL. We are going to be talking about LTL and more specifically cold chain. Here to talk about cold chain LTL is Andrew and Chad. Thank you for joining me today. Great to be with you. Yes, thank you for having us. So as I said, there are two big trucking shipping methods, FTL, which I think a lot of people are very familiar with FTL, and then there is LTL. Now you guys specify with LTL, but specifically cold chain. So I'm going to ask just the first question for whoever wants to answer to answer it. What is the biggest difference between FTL and LTL? Yeah, so full truck load, that's going to be your full 53 footer, uh, pretty much predominantly going from point A to point Z, one pick, one drop, as we call it in the industry. Um, and we deal with the cold supply chain, which is increasing in demand. Um, you know, more customers, more people, they want access to fresher foods, high protein foods, um, plant-based, um, you know, refrigerated products, frozen products. And as that demand increases, um, I was just reading the other day that it's a, as of two, as of 2018, it was about a $10 billion business in 2025. They predicted to have about, uh, an increase to $15 billion industry. And that's just in the U S you, so U S only. So it's a $15 billion industry for the refrigerated market. Um, and really it goes back to that demand that we're talking about. So now we're talking about perishable product. Those transit times are longer, right? And when you have perishable products, you've got to make sure that you have a secure cold supply chain so that that product gets there in a timely fashion, but it also gets there at the temp that it needs to be in order to be sellable, right? So there's a lot of challenges with, uh, with the cold supply chain right now. You have a very specific issue with, hey, you have to get this food to a certain area at a certain time and make sure it's still within the right temperature and the right shipping date. So my question for you is, how do you make sure that happens? How do you make sure, hey, I'm going to get my fresh produce to this person at the right temperature and right time? Because as you said, there's multiple different carriers on one shipment and they're going to multiple different locations. How do you make sure that everything gets to the right point at the right time. Yeah, I think I think a, a, a lot goes into that. Um, so with when we're setting up shipments, we're making sure that we're sending the same type of product in the same truck, right? Because we want to typically we want it the, the same commodity or similar in the same truck based off the off of the temperature, right? Um, so that temperature isn't changing too much. Um, but then to make sure that it gets, you know, to each customer at the right temperature on time, that's where our customers really come into play. We need to make sure that if there is an appointment, right, if we, if we set up appointment at eight o'clock, we need to make sure that our carrier can get there at eight and get unloaded or loaded at that specific time so that, you know, we can close that door as fast as possible and keep the keep the trailer at that at the same temperature. So it it does it goes with the carrier, right? They need to show up on time. They need to do their due, due diligence. 
but then we rely on the customers as well and you know make sure that they're doing their due diligence and getting the the product loaded at the at the right time yeah i mean that's a great question and andy that was a great response because it shows the intricacy of what we do we're communicating with the customer we're communicating with the carrier and we're putting all these puzzle pieces together for everybody so that there's not a break in the supply chain so in freight and not just with ltl cold chain we rely on patterns well guess what the pandemic was a huge reset to supply chain patterns, to all supply chain patterns that we had gotten used to the flow over the years. But that model, and I know we're gonna to speak to this a little bit at the supply crunch. So I'm gonna to touch on that a little bit right now. The pandemic was a reset to that. So our industry, we learned that those patterns are no longer the same. And the reaper sector was more sensitive to these shifts in the LTL chilled and frozen supply chain more than anything else. Prior to that, we had an, a good idea of what was happening uh, in any given month. It was very similar. The flow of freight was very similar. Um, you know, you, you've heard about just-in-time delivery. A lot of companies base their models around that. When the pandemic hit, you could no longer rely on that. And since that, and through the recovery, this, there has not been an expected month. No month has gone exactly the same like it did prior, where you had a lot more of those trends. So that's really why having a nimble provider or somebody to help you through this market is really important because it's constantly changing, constantly shifting, and those patterns are not there. Yeah, I think, you know, you guys hit on something that's very important that I think a lot of um, customers or carriers may not even realize, or just a lot of people who um, are maybe just interested in trucking and shipping is that um, there, there has to be kind of a person behind the scenes that helps with customers and carriers. And and that's what we do at EL. We're kind of those people that that connect everybody and, and, and help facilitate, hey, this is going to get from point A to point B to point C to point D safely and smoothly. And I think a lot of people just think, oh, these these customers just go, I want my thing shipped on this truck and they just go right to the driver. And that's not what happens. There's a lot more complexities that go into that. Um, my next point of thought, just because I'm curious, is there any numbers, maybe just estimates that you could throw at us just to show how much bulk of like a certain product within cold chain you're moving because i think that would really put into perspective how much is getting moved via cold chain and and really i think that will help emphasize just like this is a very important shipping method and this is some of the stuff that you know people see at the grocery store on a day-to-day -day basis or a week-to-week -week basis whenever they go so freight waves reports that there are 500,000 reefer trailers on the road at any given time and some of those are dedicated to LTL. So maybe that's 5%, 6% of those 500,000 trailers that are dedicated to an LTL model. Um, it's not really specified, but 500,000 trailers, uh, Reaper trailers at any given time. And the market adds about 70,000 trailers to that each year. Now, some of those are going to be replacing old trailers. And some of those will be a net increase of refrigerated trailers. The point being, it's not keeping up with demand, right? I mentioned that big overall number for the U.S. Um, it's growing at um, a CAGR of about 7.8 percent 
So that growth model that's taking us from that 10 billion to that 15 billion mark for U.S. coal uh, market industry, uh, that increase is substantial. And so the tightness of the market that you see right now is directly impacted by the demand for these refrigerated goods. So if that gives you some kind of perspective, there's a ton of reefer trailers out there right now, um, but it's still not enough. With our capacity crunch, there's just not as many LTL refrigerated carriers, right, compared to FTL carriers. So that that's where our biggest issue is. We just there's not enough carriers to utilize in the refrigerated LTL world. Right? Well, I, and Andy, I'm going to interject right there. Why why isn't there enough carriers in, in in LTL? Is it because it's a little bit more nuanced? Because it's it's more clients in one shipment and more stops and more maybe more people just want to do FTL where it's easier to go from point A to point B and you creating one one customer within that shipping. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Exactly. And transit times, I think that's a big thing, right? I mean, a lot of a lot of refrigerated product needs to get where it's going in a in a time sensitive manner. I mean, it just, you know, but there are products that can take up a little bit longer for, for transit and get get to where it's going. And it's it's going to be more cost effective that way. So I think just finding finding the demand <laughs> is is the is an issue and, and Chad can correct me if I'm wrong, but I will add to what Andy said. Here are some other factors that we see uh, driving the demand uh, in the market. So labor driver shortage, that's a big one. Combined with that, not just driver shortage, but warehouse dock shortages. So one of our uh, one of our carriers that we use quite often um, and they have several docks. You know, they've had a tough time keeping staff in these warehouses. Well, that creates a bottleneck, right? Because they're the ones that are receiving this freight into the warehouse so that these LTL loads can be built to go other places. If they don't have enough dock workers or warehouse workers to offload that freight, it's going to be causing a problem. So there's a bottleneck there. There's also a shift from uh, open air markets to cold to the cold chain model because it preserves perishable foods longer. So that's another that's another factor. Um, I would also say the pandemic uh, had a part of that because a lot of people couldn't go to restaurants during that time, right? So where were they going? They were they started to buy more stuff from the store and make their food at home. They started getting more fridge products and freezer products in their store because. Maybe they couldn't go to their favorite restaurant for a few weeks or a few months or maybe longer than that. So people got accustomed to finding products that they could cook on their own, eat on their own, stuff that was prepared that they could just throw together at home. And those were habits that were formed during that time. And people hung on to those habits. So they're still buying those goods. So the, the model of consumption has changed. So Andy and Chad, you know, I have a frozen pizza in my freezer. I'm, I'm getting my hummus ready to put on my salad with my fresh veggies. How do I get those products, those cold chain products into my refrigerator? Like, how does that go from the start point to the end point? Well, that's a great question. So um, drones are really big right now. So there's basically a drone. <laughs> it comes to your house. The blue dot effect. You just you just 
fire up your, your uh, hummus app and the drone just comes directly to your house that little portal opens up mm -hmm. the, your freezer and it just drops it in there i got i got my little vest reflector on with like my orange neon lights and i'm like shuttling it into my freezer you just bring it in um, yeah no i wish it was that simple um you know it's a very complex process that's what we're talking about here right um especially with these niche products that companies that produce these only ship small quantities of these one pallet to five pallets um if you think about where you buy these products in the store it's a very small freezer space or refrigerator space it's limited when you go into the store um so it's complex let's say we we have <clears throat> we have a uh, facility in california who's making your your frozen pizza or your hummus okay and you guys want to pick it up from your facility in California, and you want it to go to, you know, a Walmart in New York because that's where you live, right? And you need to go to Walmart in New York to pick up your frozen pizza or your, your hummus. So you guys tell us <clears throat> where it needs to pick up, when it, well, not when it needs to pick up, that's a whole nother thing. <laughs> we gotta rely on our carriers for, for the pickup, but, for the time, but you know where it needs to be picked up and 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 where it needs to be delivered. So you give us all that information, right? We then reach out to our carriers, right? We have hundreds of carriers that we work with, and depending on the lane where it's going to pick up and deliver, we utilize a certain carriers. So if it's in California, we reach out to our one carrier, says, "Hey, will you go pick this uh, frozen pizza up at?" frozen pizza warehouse okay they go and pick it up they bring it back to a facility <laughs> they bring it back to a facility in in california okay and while that's happening we have other trucks going and picking up hundreds of pallets all over in california okay they're all bringing it back to the same facility that's where we come in and we organize or or put together a, a truck that has similar products and it's going to the same region that we want to go to New York, okay? So we're putting it all onto one truck with all these other pallets from different customers, right? So then we get it on that truck, we ship it across the, the US and it's not gonna go directly to New York most of the time. It's gonna make a couple stops along the way or maybe it's just going to go from California to Chicago, right? Because we have a there's district. people in Chicago that love that pizza and hummus too, Conrad. You're not the only one. So we got to drop <laughs> off. It's like Santa Claus of hummus. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We're dropping yeah. off all the little boys and girls. Yeah, we basically are Santa Claus. <laughs> um, <clears throat> yeah, with your frozen products. So we'll, we'll send it to, to Chicago, right? Because that's as far as that carrier is going to go. So it might get dropped off in a in a, another consolidation facility or a distribution facility. It just kind of depends on where it's going. But let's say it's going to Chicago. It's going to get pulled off that truck. Then they're going to consolidate it, put it onto another truck to kind of minimize how many pallets are going are gonna to be on there. And it's just going to go to New York, right? And then they could have a facility there in New York where it's gonna be taken off and then they're gonna have all of their trucks that the 
Wow, see, this, now I'm getting lost. <laughs> what I'm saying here. So they're, we're going to take it to a facility, a carrier's facility, where they have their own trucks, right? They're going to take all those pallets off, and then it's going to go on separate trucks and then get distributed to a bunch of different Walmarts or Costco's or Trader Joe's or wherever it's going. So during that process, it could hit you know, three or four different carriers or two or three different facilities. I hope that made sense. That was a lot, but I mean, I hope that made sense. So like we said, it's very complex. It's going to pick up in California and deliver in New York, but it's there's just a lot of of mess in in between. That's <laughs> on the way, man. Yeah. Chad and Andy, thank you so much for joining us today on the England Logistics Podcast Network, chiseling down that iceberg that is the LTL world within the trucking industry. So again, Andy and Chad, thank you so much for joining us today. And guys, if you want more from the England Logistics Podcast Network, simply head on over to englandlogistics.com and look for our England Logistics Podcast Network. We'll see you guys next time.